Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Ritman Grace Podcast. We hope that it will encourage you as you seek to follow God and grow in your faith. If you would like to know more about our church, you can check us out at www.ritmangrace.org or feel free to email us at ritmangbc at aol.com. But for right now, let's get into today's message. Well, thank you, Dwayne, for uh, reading scripture with us and sharing that passage. That's sort of a sort of a parallel to the passage that we're going to be looking at today, uh, which is actually in Luke 18. Weren't you excited about the um, national prayer time last weekend in Washington, D.C., and and the uh, over 100,000 people that came together? You're all looking at like blank stares. Didn't you see it on the major media outlets this week? Apparently not. I wonder why. Uh, there was a great outpouring in Washington, D.C. this last weekend, a week ago. Hundred, over 100,000 people came together to pray for our country, and it was wonderful. To me, I think the highlight of it was when, um, <clears throat> when Vice President Michael Pence showed up. And, of course, um, that's never really announced because of security reasons, but... Uh, so the crowd was quite thrilled to to see him come and participate. And I heard recording of what he did and what he said, and it was from memory. He just spoke, and he probably quoted every major Bible verse that speaks about prayer. It was so amazing to just see him uh, with passion and commitment to speak about how critical it is for us as believers to be speaking about prayer. And of course, the media missed it. Did you catch that today, our governor has asked that today would be set aside as a national, or not a national, as a day of prayer, um, particularly for our president and his wife and anyone else who has felt the impact of the COVID-19 virus um, that's something that he's asking us today to be praying throughout the day for all those people. Our National Fellowship enjoys doing things with prayer as well. And this year, setting aside the entire month of November, um, there's going to be 30 days of uh, prayer walks that we're going to be letting you know about and you could participate in. A prayer walk is, is a neat way of just, you know, getting alone, walking and praying. That's great. But if you're not able to do that, you are allowed to pray in a chair or a hospital bed or anywhere you're at. It's okay to do that. Um, but we're going to let you know a whole lot more about that in the future. So Dwayne read a passage about praying, and I'm talking about praying. Can you guess what our subject is today? It's guard against discouragement is what we're talking about. And I want to direct your attention to, to Luke chapter 18. But I'm going to have to tell you, this is a wonderful passage that we often know about, hear about. It's a very tiny, short, brief passage. But uh, it's, it really comes alive when we put it in the context in which uh, it, it appears. Um, 
This is during Jesus' last journey as he was heading toward Jerusalem prior to his crucifixion, and he's approaching the area of Jericho. Now, last week we mentioned that's approximately 17 miles away from Jerusalem. It's downhill, so he's going uphill and going to descend 3,300 feet to get to Jerusalem. <clears throat> and in this text, Jesus is specifically answering a question that the Pharisees had asked regarding the coming of the kingdom of God. And what's supposed to come first? In chapter 17, verse 20, it says, Once, having been asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied. And I do want to read verse 21 as well as I keep going. These are his response. The kingdom of God does not come with your careful observation, nor will people say, here it is, or there it is, because the kingdom of God is within you. <clears throat> now, he's going to go on and tell us a whole lot more. I wanted to clarify one thing here, and <clears throat> that is that very last phrase about the kingdom of God is within you. That's probably not translated the very best. It's probably better to say the kingdom of God is among you, uh, not within you, because it was not within the hearts and lives of the Pharisees. They rejected Christ, and, and that they're not a part of the kingdom of God. But Jesus was saying to them, you want to know when the kingdom is going to come? Guess what? I am the king of kings and the Lord of lords, and I am here in your presence. I am among you. I am in your midst. But let me tell you about what's going to come to answer your question. And so he goes on to give them some teaching that's pretty hard and it's speaking specifically what we dispensationalists believe that it's um, talking about the tribulation period, the seven years tribulation that Daniel uh, talked about. <clears throat> There's going to be a lot of major disasters that go on at that time. And Jesus here in, in chapter 17 says it's going to be an awful lot like the days of Noah when the flood came. Or what about the days of Lot, when God destroyed the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah? It's going to be a lot like that. Well, how's it going to be like that? Well, Jesus said in one way, everybody's going to be living casual lives. They're going to just be doing what they always do. Um, they go to work, they build things, they buy things, they, they eat food, they rest, they get married, all those things. Um, just like normal. And then what happens? Sudden disaster. Um, that one day when Noah was preaching for quite a while and building a, an ark, and then people were just going about their business as always, and God brought a flood. Or in the case of Sodom and Gomorrah, Lot and all his Friends were doing whatever they did every day, and God brought sudden destruction upon them. That's the way it's going to be at the very end of when this takes place. There's going to be major, and then there's earthquakes in places, and, and um, more hurricanes, and all these kinds of things going on. And I've had people tell me all kinds of really interesting observations and some really interesting observations that probably need to be discounted as much as possible. But is that talking about today? 
And my answer to that is always, could be, could be. Uh, back in the 1970s, when I first went into ministry, I remember people coming up to me and telling me, there was a six-day war in Israel, surely Christ is coming. And then they'd mention another event, and another event, and another event. And my answer has always been something like this. If Jesus were to come today and start that whole process, all of this would make sense. All of that makes sense, because it fits into the scheme of prophecy if he doesn't come today, there'll be a day that's going to look even more like that in the future. Not a top secret, but we live in a very difficult world. And this world is not friendly to the life of a disciple in Jesus. The Bible teaches that you and I are to have lives that portray love and respect. Love for others, respect for others, that's what God wants us to do. Our world today, our culture, this isn't the entire world, but the culture in the United States of America today, not love and respect, it's more hate and blame is what people are looking at today. And um, it's certainly not what God would want for us to experience. So with this troublesome end in view, and the idea that the people at the time that Jesus is answering what's going to happen before the kingdom, Jesus is saying people are going to be living with great fear, a lot of fear. So Jesus goes on in chapter 18 to give us a parable that discusses how we can avoid or how we can guard ourselves against discouragement in those circumstances. The disciples, so in verse 1 of chapter 18, it says, Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. The initial question came from the Pharisees, the religious elite of their day. And they asked that question about when's the end coming, and Jesus laid it out there. And then he turns to his disciples and says, But let me tell you, a parable that's going to help you guard against discouragement. That was going to be needed for the apostles, from what we know from history, what we understand and believe, of all the apostles, the apostle John was probably the only one who was not martyred and met his end in a very violent way. He's the only one who didn't die at the hands of the enemies of Christ. For the disciples in general, and disciples in the day when Christ does come, maybe in our day, maybe, um, we need to know that uh, in the midst of all that danger, because he's delayed, in our opinion, he's delaying his coming, we need to be careful not to give up, but to stay constant in our trust and faith and dependence upon him. We'll be discouraged because of the difficulties and the suffering that can be experienced, but don't give up. So that's why this parable comes, and many people, we all know this parable by the parable of the persistent widow. I kind of liked Gary Enrig and his writing on it called that this parable, Reaching God's Ear. That's pretty significant. Wouldn't you like to know that you had an audience with the God of the universe, and especially when things were really, really tough? 
So, in verse 1, he says, he shows them a parable that they should, by the way, I really wish this was a little bit different, where Mayan says they should, I wish he just said that they must always pray and not give up, because I really believe the tense, that's, that's what it's really trying to communicate. So the bottom line is this, persistent prayer for the deliverance from suffering and affliction. We need to stay persistent in prayer. And this parable is going to point to prayer for deliverance. It's going to point for uh, as a great resource for the church of Jesus Christ in the days before his second coming. So if you're one of those who think that, wow, the second coming is really, really close, uh, surely the end has to be within close sight, then you're probably, I would hope, praying a whole lot more than you ever did before. You should be really growing in that because you need it and all of us need it. So here's what the story goes on to do in verse 2. Jesus tells this, and he says, In a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared about men. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, Grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, Even though I don't fear God and care about men, Yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually wear me out with her coming. <laughs> A brief story, very short, but it's pretty clear, isn't it? And the antidote that's here, so the antidote to this despair is um, not determination. We don't need determination. I'm going to see if this, if I'm ahead of myself here. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's fine. That was the first one. The antidote is, is not determination, but dependence. We need to be dependent on God. You can be as determined as you want, and that's not going to change your circumstances. You need to be dependent on God. And, and it's not to be positive thinking. That's really nice, but prayer is what we really, really need in times like this. So they must always pray and not give up. <clears throat> so prayer is the means that God uses to achieve his purposes in our lives. I think in the bulletin I have a, a list of verses for you that... Um, so that in 1 Thessalonians 5.17, we are to pray continually. Just pray continually, all the time. And Ephesians 6.18 tells us that we are to pray on all occasions. The Jewish custom for prayer is to pray three times a day. The Islamic custom is to pray five times a day. What does Jesus tell us to do? He tells us to pray continually. And Gary Inrig one time said that to stop praying is to start growing weary. To stop praying is to start, start growing weary. So at this point, Jesus is telling us we've got to pray. That's how we're going to get through these difficult circumstances. And then he, he enters into a 
parable and in the parable, it's a legal discussion that he says. There's a judge. The judge is uh, the epitome of power. He has the authority uh, with no fear of opposition, no concern about that whatsoever. He has no sense of accountability, not to God, not to the legal system, nothing. He's above all that. He has no conscience. He has no compassion. He does whatever he wants to do. That's the judge. Then there's the widow. And in her case, she's the picture of the depth of helplessness and weakness. You can't be any more lower in the political clout arena than what she is. And she's probably been experiencing extreme poverty. At the death of her husband, she's left without any advocate, no one to protect her, no one to provide for her needs. And probably there's um, some unscrupulous individual out there who's taken advantage of her weakness, maybe a loan shark or uh, somebody who brings about foreclosures on a property, somebody like that who's really tightened the screws down on her and she's in a tough situation. Now her cause was apparently a just cause. She has an argument, but doesn't matter to the judge at all. He doesn't care, he's not interested. Her issue and her are not important to this judge. So she's helpless before an indifferent judge and an indifferent system, doesn't matter to her. But did you catch that um, it also says in verse five that uh, although she continues to come to him, he refuses to let anything happen and she keeps coming back. I don't know what that was like exactly, but I could just picture first thing the next morning, she's back in line wanting to have an audience with the judge. He refuses her. Next day, she's back at the audience of the judge again. The next day, the next day. We don't know how long something like this was going on. And he comes to the solution. And he says, I'm gonna give her what she wants, then she'll leave me alone. The judge, even when he does what is right, is motivated by self-interest. He's not motivated by justice. He's not motivated by her rights or her well-being. It's just what's best for him. Are you getting the picture of this judge? Not a good person. So, in the end result, this powerless woman, she has no standing before anybody. She has no weapons to use except for persistence. And she wins her rights from this evil judge. Now it's important to note at this point, I hope you understand this before we go too much farther, but the judge does not in this story represent God. In fact, it's in contrast to God that Jesus throws the judge in there. It's the opposite of what God would do. God is so much better than what this judge is being portrayed as. So in verses six through eight, it says this, the Lord said, listen to what the unjust said, judge says, and will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? 
I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? I really enjoy this quote by um, Dr. McWilkin. He was the founder and president of Columbia Bible College. He's just summarizing the encounter and the understanding of who God is when he says, if a widow can obtain justice by continually calling on an unrighteous judge who doesn't fear God, who doesn't fear man, how much more should Christians be encouraged to persist in their cries to the judge of all the earth who will do what is right? We are not helpless widows. Scriptures tell us Jesus said, we are God's chosen ones. We are God's chosen ones. We are the ones who he seeks to lavish his love upon. Certainly he's going to hear our cries. So in this parable, we are urged to pray about our difficulties, knowing that our cries will be answered even though sometimes there could be a delay. You're thinking, wait a minute, I think the text says that he's going to do it quickly. Doesn't it say that? And, and what do you mean there could be a delay? Well, the word quickly there is probably speaking more from God's perspective than your perspective, mine. It's on God's timetable. God's timing is not always the same, and it doesn't always line up with your timing and my timing. And often... God delays, apparently delays, or appears to delay because you and I are not really ready to receive what we are asking for. In verse 7, it uses the term cry out, and that's just talking about the intensity of prayer. And God hears all of that, and he cares about us, and he's listening to us. And that language of prayer, that intense cry out, in the midst of our difficulties and the failures of life, God is there. He knows, he hears it, he's listening. And we're to be persistent. We're to be persistent. In almost every area of life, the staying power is indispensable to success. I was reading recently about um, a couple hundred years ago, a, a missionary is what he probably became, William Carey, and hopefully you know that name, but he was a Scottish cobbler. You know, just a little, very little formal education. But as time went on, he felt a leading by God, a calling by God. He wanted to go from Great Britain down to India, which... A couple hundred years ago, I'm guessing, was not as easy as jumping on a plane and getting there a few hours later. Uh, it was a very, very difficult trip. It was hard to get there, and it was even harder to stay there. And while he was there, he faced many, many years of difficulty. Um, he was rejected by the culture. He was having great problems with all the different languages that were around him. But ultimately, because he persevered, he persisted, he was able to establish a mission station. And through that, he was able to start multiple churches in India. He translated the scriptures into several different languages. 
And he set in motion what we would say today is the modern missionary movement. I mean, that guy had more impact on everything in our world today than what you and I could ever begin to imagine. And when his, he was coming toward the end of his life, he was asked, how did you do this? How are you able to achieve and accomplish so much? And it would have been normal for some to say, well, you know, I, I do have a level of intelligence, not much formal education, but I can learn multiple languages and translate and work with that. Or he might have said, I do have some talents, I have some uh, people skills, I have some other abilities that really paid off. But let me show you what he actually said. I really like this. He said, I can plod. If we don't say anything else, that's awesome. I can plod. I can persevere in any definite pursuit. To this, I owe everything. Few people know what may be done till they try and persevere in what they undertake. He can plod, he can stay at it, he can be faithful, he can work hard, he can just keep going and keep going and keep going. That's how he did it. That's how he did it. You and I like to think that if somebody's really good at something, that it's effortless. I sat there in the front row here today sitting and listening to Dave Artrip play the piano. That's really pretty, beautiful, really beautiful playing. And it appears effortless. He's playing the piano, beautiful music, and he's reading text off of his phone beside him. Now, you may not have seen it, but I saw it, Dave, you're guilty. Um, and he was, he was reading text off of his phone. I don't know who's texting him. I, I don't know what's going on. Probably Elizabeth or somebody. And that looks so effortless. And I'd love to be able to, when everybody leaves, sit down at the piano and do exactly what he just did and play some of those songs real pretty. But you know what? I haven't put the thousands and thousands and thousands of hours into it that Dave Artrip has. So I'm guessing I can play one finger somewhere over the rainbow. <laughs> and sometimes I get chopsticks pretty good too. But... Um, I can't do what he does, but he put the effort into it. And I'm sure that um, there was a lot of times of encouragement in the past that he was needed to be prodded a little bit, but he did plod on, and now we all benefit from the beauty of it. That. That's true with musicians, it's true with athletes, it's true with educators and people who do just unique, special things. They put in the time. And they really do, and they stick with it. So anything that is worth doing and achieving is worth your work at it and staying with it. When you and I find ourselves in unpleasant circumstances, um, we need to be persistent in prayer. When we find ourselves in pleasant circumstances, we need to understand that everything that we have provided for, everything that's being met for us, um, when we're positioned better than we ever did before, all of that comes from the hand of God. He knows our needs, he knows our circumstances, he knows our sufferings, and he is there to help us continue on. Ultimately, God's going to vindicate his people and he's gonna make all things right. 
Christ is patient with us in our persistence. Um, he does respond to our needs. <clears throat> he doesn't put us on hold and forget about us. He is listening to our prayers, and he meets what we need, what he deems best for us. And we just need to persevere. We need to persevere in prayer. It is a very simple lesson. It's a very easy thing, is that we must stay faithful and always pray to God. It's easy to lose heart. It's easy to give up. And as the things get worse, which I'm assuming our world and culture is going to get worse, um, we need to be even more persistent in prayer. We need to be praying that God will change the hearts and minds of the influencers in our culture, that those people would come to Christ, and those people who do come to Christ will grow in Christ and have an impact. Uh, we want to see change. I think we all want to see change in what's going on around us. It's not going to happen if you and I are not persistent in prayer. And if we're not persistent in prayer, then we're not going to be persistent in our obedience to God. Let's pray even now. Lord, thank you so much for the challenge and the promise of how you, tr you treat us as your chosen ones. You love us, and you give us what we need and, and what's best for us, and yet you call us to yourself. Most of us have dedicated a lot of time to different things, whether it's um, maybe our trade or our occupation or whatever skill we have. It might be to our families. It might be to our leisure stuff. But we put a lot of time into other things. We need to invest strongly in a prayer life and being persistent, especially as we see the days darkening and times closing in on us, uh, whether that's true just with the longevity of life or with the return of Christ. Uh, it's going to be soon. And so, Lord, we pray that uh, even now that you would uh, continue to heal our land and that comes only when we acknowledge, and we do acknowledge, that we have sinned, sinned greatly against you, and that our sins have been a barrier to us and to you. And Lord, we just pray that uh, we could receive forgiveness, your kindness upon us, and that you would heal and restore uh, to us a people of faith, a people who will grow and, and know and love you. Lord, thank you so much for the promises that we have that as we pray, you do hear and you do answer. And may all that be used to bring glory to our son, Jesus Christ, in his name, amen. Thanks again for listening to this episode of the Ritman Grace Podcast. If you have questions or would like to know more about our church, please visit www.ritmangrace.org or email us at ritmangbc at aol.com.